Thank you for connecting to the Bethany Chapel Sermon Link. Our prayer is that you will find the following sermon helpful and inspiring for your spiritual journey. If you are a visitor to this resource, or if you've not attended our church, we would love to meet you in person. Our vision at Bethany Chapel is opening doors to God's truth and love. God bless you as you listen. Well, we have been in a series, uh, AD 30, The Life of Christ, and as I said, at times we're going to hop out of that because of special days or other events, and uh, otherwise we'll be talking about Jesus for years. So uh, Thanksgiving is uh, just one of those times where I thought, you know what, in light of everything going on in the world, I think we'll take a break and talk about maybe Thanksgiving and how hard it is uh, to be thankful going through what we're going through, but how much we need to. What it's like to walk free again after years behind bars? Lee Horton and his brother Dennis know the feeling. They were convicted of robbery and murder, sentenced to life in prison without parole. They always maintained their innocence. And earlier this year, this year in 2021, after being locked up for more than 25 years, these two were granted clemency and they were released. Here's his story. That I'm going to tell you honestly, the first thing that I was aware of when I walked out of the doors and sat in the car was I realized I wasn't handcuffed. And for all the time I'd been in prison, every time I was transported anywhere, I'd always had handcuffs on. And that moment right there was the most emotional moment that I had. Even when they told me that the papers had been signed for my release, it didn't set in until I was in that car, it didn't have handcuffs on. I don't think people understand that the punishment is being in prison because you take away everything and then after that, everything becomes beautiful to you. When we got out, we went to the DMV to get our licenses back. My brother and I stood in line for two and a half hours. We heard all the bad things about the DMV during that line. We had the most beautiful time and all the people were looking at us because we're smiling and we're laughing and they couldn't understand why we're so happy in the DMV line. And it was just that, just being in that line was a beautiful thing. I was in awe of everything around me. It's like my mind was just heightened to every small nuance. Just to be able to look out of a window, just to walk down a street, to inhale fresh air, just to see people interacting, it woke something up in me. Something that I don't know if it died or if it went to sleep. I've been having epiphanies every single day since I've been released. One of my morning rituals every morning is I send a message of, good morning, good morning, good morning, have a nice day, to every one of my 42 contacts. They're like, how long can he keep doing this? But they don't understand that I was deprived, and now it's like I've been released, and I've been reborn into a better day, into a new day, like the person I was no longer exists. I've stepped through the looking glass onto the other side, and everything is beautiful. See, when you take away everything, everything, when you see it again, becomes beautiful to you. Remember that because it is a path to this virtue that we're going to be talking about. In fact, it's a sure path. When you go through suffering, when you're deprived of things that seem to be a part of the normalcy of life, those things become extremely precious to you once you've lost them. Thanksgiving is the expression of gratitude, especially to God. Now that is a dictionary definition. I think the Bible would agree with it. That's actually a secular definition, and it defines thanksgiving as the expression of gratitude, especially to God. 
Now, the word that you're probably going to use in the culture, and we're going to talk about it today, and I want to use them somewhat interchangeably, is gratitude. So gratitude is actually being discovered, or discussed, and actually a lot of studies are being done on gratitude, and that is the word that's going to be used in the secular world. So gratitude is basically the same thing, only it's not necessarily expressed towards God. The expression of gratitude or thanksgiving, but it's not directed towards God. A lot of studies are being done on this word that is not a part of our Christian tradition, but basically means the same thing. More and more researchers are finding that gratitude doesn't just make you feel like a better person, it's actually good for your health. Professor and researcher Robert Emmons put it this way, clinical trials indicate that the practice of gratitude can have dramatic and lasting effects in a person's life. It can lower blood pressure, improve immune function, facilitate more efficient sleep, One recent study from the University of California, San Diego School of Medicine found that people who were more grateful actually had better heart health, specifically less inflammation and healthier heart rhythms. They showed a better well-being, a less depressed mood, less fatigue, and they slept better. Gratitude has the opposite effect of stress. Another study found that gratitude can boost your immune system. Stressed-out law students who characterized themselves as optimistic actually had more disease-fighting cells in their bodies. In another study, people who kept a gratitude journal have reduced dietary fat intake as much as 25% lower. Stress hormones like cortisol are 23% lower in grateful people. And having a daily gratitude practice could actually reduce the effects of aging to the brain. And this is not a small area of research. All kinds of studies are being done on this now. Another author states research has thrown that practicing gratitude boosts the immune system, bolsters resilience to stress, lowers depression, increases feelings of energy, determination and strength, and even helps you sleep better. In fact, this author says, few things have been more repeatedly and empirically vetted than the connection between gratitude and overall happiness and well-being. So, In light of all of that, and that's outside of the Christian tradition, thankfulness for we as Christians and gratitude for everybody are virtues that we should all want. They lead to better lives. They benefit all people, people who are people of faith, people who aren't people of faith. But personally, I don't want to be wrongly imprisoned for 25 years to see the world as beautiful, do you? I mean, I guarantee you, based on their testimony, if we throw you in jail for 25 years and let you out, you're going to be pretty happy as you get out. You're going to see the world in a beautiful way. You're going to enjoy the DMV line. But I don't want to go through that to develop a thankful heart. Just like I wouldn't want to have my son experience two life-threatening accidents when he's a senior in high school to appreciate how much it matters to me that he can walk today. And that happened to us. Fell out of a tree stand 24 feet, which I feel responsible for. Strap broke. In a car accident at 55 miles an hour, hit right in the head by an oncoming car. And today, healthy 24-year-old son. But I don't want to have to go through that just to appreciate the fact that he's alive. Just like I wouldn't want to go through a worldwide pandemic to be thankful for a lot of things that I used to be able to take for granted. Do you want to go through a worldwide pandemic to be thankful? I don't want to, but here we are. Just like I don't want to go to a place in a country with 40 below winter temperatures. 
in order to appreciate a warm parking garage. But I do appreciate my two warm parking stalls. And I'm looking forward to winter because I didn't used to have those. I don't want to go through any negative life experience even though those things create and open doors for thanksgiving and gratitude. So let's figure out how we can be proactive because we can be, in this character quality, proactive. We don't have to go through suffering to create thankfulness. So let's build this virtue, and we're going to talk about that today. The text that we're going to use, I'm not going to have you turn in your Bibles because it's really this simple. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, this is the key verse on Thanksgiving, typically, in the New Testament. In everything give thanks. Well, there's a lot right there. In everything give thanks. I do the last two words better than the first two. In everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Just three points and then a few applications. Thanksgiving is more than a holiday. It's an everyday acknowledgement of God's goodness. And we're going to rush through the points a little quicker because I want to spend a little more time today on building this character quality into our life and into our habits. Thanksgiving is more than a holiday. It's an everyday acknowledgement of God's goodness. Now, I alluded to this earlier that the definitions of Thanksgiving and gratitude are very similar It's basically the same practice, except gratitude is sort of the secular term. It's not a bad thing. If you want to use the word gratitude, that's great. Didi and I talk about gratitude. We've had a gratitude journal. But gratitude is not necessarily the Christian word. It's not the Bible word, because thanksgiving is God-directed. It's all over the Bible, especially in the Old Testament. There are psalms which are full of this theme about giving thanks to the Lord, there, it's, it's commanded in the Old Testament. It's commanded in the New Testament. Thank offerings actually were a part of the Old Testament offering and sacrificial system. You could go to the temple and give a thank offering. The point is about this Thanksgiving concept and this definition, and this is a good way to think of it, Thanksgiving recognizes that the source of goodness in life lies at least partially outside of oneself. Think about that. Thanksgiving recognizes that the source of goodness in life lies at least least partially outside of itself. And when you're thinking of Thanksgiving as opposed to gratitude, it's from God. It's basically acknowledging that we experience the goodness of God in our lives on a regular basis. Now, some good things are sort of our own natural rewards. The Bible talks about sowing and reaping. So sometimes, if you just do a lot of the right things, a lot of good things are going to happen in your life often. If you invest regularly, you're more likely to be ready for retirement. That's something that's sort of a sowing and reaping thing. If you better yourself through education, you're more likely to get a better job. That's sowing and reaping. It happens to unbelievers and Christians alike. It doesn't matter. There's certain things that if you incorporate into your lives, you're going to benefit from. But most good things in our lives come from the hand of somebody else. Because as you're a Christian, if you're a Christian, God is overseeing your life. And there's all kinds of things that are good in our lives that we don't necessarily control. I was born in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And I know what you're thinking. Why are you thankful for that? Home of the Milwaukee Bucks, world champions of the NBA. 
home of the Milwaukee Brewers, soon to be world champions in the MLB, used to have, you know, Milwaukee used to have some of the Green Bay Packer games, which God's team. But you know what? Being born in a Western society, whether the US or Canada, I can say this. Some of you are from parts of the world that you're glad you're not in right now. I was born into freedom. And, you know, if you were born in Canada or the US or Europe, we just can't appreciate freedom like perhaps being born in another place without any form of democratic system of government, maybe an oppressive culture. I didn't control that. Family of origin, it wasn't perfect by any means, but it was Christian. So at a very young age, I remember my mom on her knees praying for me, and God knows how much that was necessary. I remember her praying for me. I walked by her bedroom. There she was on her knees. I remember when I was about five or six years old praying a prayer to receive Christ. I didn't have anything to do with the family that I was born into. Opportunity came from my life because of the background that I had. Being in a Christian family was given to me. The church life was, was a gift from God. It, it wasn't a perfect church, but I still remember as a child we were building a church. I remember being there with a hammer and nails helping to put that church together. That was an incredibly important part of my faith journey to be a part of church life. The two places my wife and I have lived in our adult lives since being married have been Rochester, Minnesota, voted like one of the best places to live in the U.S., and Calgary voted to be one of the best places to live in the world. God's been good to us, and we need to be thankful for that. How about you? Do you recognize how many things in your life are coming from the hand of a gracious God? They're not because just you put a little extra effort in them, but God has been good. And even if you did put some effort into getting where you're at today, God was still good to you. Thanksgiving is more than a holiday. It covers the good and the bad. Or I'm sorry, we got the second point up there. Now I'm confused. Thanksgiving is commanded and comprehensive. It covers the good and the bad. Now, I don't particularly like this. And I'm not particularly happy that God expects this, but we're gonna honestly talk about this. Henry Nouwen writes, to be grateful for the good things that happen in our lives is easy, but to be grateful for all of our lives, the good as well as the bad, the moments of joy as well as the moments of sorrow, the successes as well as the failures, the rewards as well as the rejections, that requires hard spiritual work. Still, we're only truly grateful people when we can say thank you to all that has brought us to the present moment. As long as we keep dividing our lives between events and people we would like to remember and those we would rather forget, we cannot claim the fullness of our beings as a gift of God to be grateful for. Let's not be afraid to look at everything that has brought us to where we are now and trust that we will soon see, it, see in it the guiding hand of a loving God. Henry Nouwen was a Catholic priest and a writer. Now, I like Henry Nouwen. He is a great writer. But I don't like what he said there. I don't like the position that this puts us in, that God puts us in. I, I don't like that about God at times. 
that he allows bad things in our lives that, that could otherwise not be bad things if he intervened more, and then I have to thank him for things that he allows to happen that are very damaging, in my opinion. Think about the life of Job. Job had everything. So Old Testament book talks about this man, and we see behind the scenes that Job has everything. He's got wealth, he's got a great family, he's one of the most prominent individuals in the ancient Eastern culture where he lived. But then God allows Satan to just strip these things away from him one after another. They're sort of natural disasters and calamities and sickness. It all hits Job at once. He's a mess. He loses his children. He, he loses his health. He, he's on the edge of the city. He's full of sores. And Job's wife said, curse God and die. Now, I said Job had, had everything. He did not win the wife lottery. When we see this patches of Scripture, she was problematic. Curse God and die. And I love Job's response to that because this is what he says. Shall we accept good from the hand of God and not evil? You know, he's basically saying to his wife, you know, we've kind of been spoiled here, honey. Everything's turned up roses for us, and we knew that came from God, but why should we expect it to be that way all of the time? Now, what's interesting about this passage is both of them saw God behind what Satan actually did. And I love that this passage kind of makes that clear to us. We know that Satan was the one that actually dismantled Job's life. But Job's wife is saying, curse God. Even though Satan did it, she's saying curse God because she knows it had to get past God for it to happen. And Job also acknowledges that God is in control because he says, shall we expect good from God and not evil? And Satan was the one that did it. But they both saw God as sovereign over all things. That no matter what issue in life was destroying their lives, they knew that God was the overall Lord of the universe. Sovereign over all things, including Satan and evil. Why did they view it that way? Because they rightly knew that nothing happens that God does not either do or allow. Now, this is a struggle for me, and it probably is for you too. Because I try really hard to separate God from all of the bad things that happen in my life. I try really hard theologically to do that. It's one of the reasons I don't get mad at God. Bad things have happened to me. Really bad things have happened to me in my life. I don't blame God. There's other sources of the pain. Hard times, suffering comes from many places. Suffering comes from living in a fallen world. COVID, the suffering from COVID, the death from COVID, is from living in a fallen world where we have these things that damage us and threaten our lives. That's one source of suffering. Satan, the enemy of our souls, is another source of suffering. I don't look for a demon behind every corner, but Satan is a real being. Demons are real. It's another place of suffering. Other people can be another source of suffering. Most of the difficulties that you had in your life have probably come through the hands of another human being made in the image of God. Other people cause a lot of our suffering. Your choices cause some of your suffering. Make a bad choice, there's natural consequences. That's part of our suffering. 
the world system, which is sort of you know, anti-God. The Bible talks about the world as being an enemy of God. The world system sort of organized philosophically against the truth of God is a source of suffering. In some countries, it means persecution. Those are all places that cause pain for believers. Most of them are not your fault. God could intervene in all of these things. He's Lord of all. He runs the world enough that we are to thank him for everything. Even though he's not the source of evil, he does allow it. He's God. Which means he's kind of more indirectly connected to our pain than we want to admit. Because when bad things happen, even if he didn't cause them, he let them happen. And I don't like that. And he also expects us to thank him for it because it's what grows us. That's the part of this verse I really don't care for. But the Bible presents God as over all things. The Bible talks about how, you know, when the dice are rolled, when lots are cast, God controls the outcome. It was the way the Hebrews looked at God as being sovereign over all things. In the Bible, it talks about God's sovereignty over every area of our life, and little illustrations are used like God can count the the hairs on your head, which I don't find that impressive at all. But for some of you, it's impressive. Talks about how God loves the sparrows and he cares for them. Talks about how God loves the the grasses of the field and he cares for them and puts lilies in them. Never talks about how God loves cats, but evidently he sovereignly rules the universe with cats. God is over all things. So when you look at this passage, this thanksgiving is commanded. It's in the imperative mode. And it's also comprehensive. It's covering the good and the bad. And here's the point. Thanking God in the bad times is not the point. This is the verse not commanding us to thank God during difficulty. It's actually a verse commanding us to thank God for the difficulty. You hearing me? It's not about thanking God in the difficulty. It's about thanking God for the difficulty. That's what we're commanded to do. Because a sovereign God allows pain in our lives. Whether he caused it, whether he allowed it, he didn't step in as much as we'd have liked. But he knows that pain is good for us and it changes us. I know sometimes at the end of this sort of obedience, I'm frustrated because it means God might not be good the way I think he should be good. He might not be nice, as nice as I'd hoped in the way I expect from God. Even though I don't believe in the health and wealth gospel, I sure would like to think that if I'm a generally good person, God's gonna bail me out, but we don't have those commitments from God. We're asked to thank God in the bad times, yes, but also for the bad times. How do we do that and why? Third point, because thanksgiving is an inner life virtue that that God wants to develop in us. And that's the hard part of our spiritual lives. The, The rest of the verse said, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now I just want to break two things out of that little statement. This is God's will for you. Being thankful in all things and for all things is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. First, the God's will part. Do you know that the way we use God's will in our Christian vernacular has very little to do with the way the Bible uses God's will. 
The vast majority of the times you will find the word God's will in the scriptures, it's talking about moral and ethical choices. It's more like, you know, do the right thing because this is God's will. That's, that's how it's used. The will of God is, is obeying God. Rarely do you see the, the words God's will used of like life choices like who you're going to marry, how you're going to know who you're going to marry, where you're supposed to go to college, how many kids you're supposed to have, what job you're supposed to take. That use of God's will hardly exists in the Scripture. It's almost always about moral and ethical issues. And one of those ethical issues is we're supposed to be thankful people. We're supposed to build this virtue into our lives. It's God's will. It's one of God's moral and ethical expectations, a really tough one. The second thing is, in Christ Jesus is used here. And I think the point there is that the realm of obedience in the New Testament, where we're in Christ Jesus, has moved sort of from basic moral commands that we see in the Old Testament to real issues of the heart. Let me give you an example. When you look at the Old Testament, you read the Old Testament law, it's mostly just about external obedience, about doing the right things. No, it doesn't mean there's no talk about the heart. There certainly is. But it's mainly about external obedience. It was pretty simple. So the Old Testament ethic for a dude, if you're reading the book of Proverbs, is basically don't lie, cheat, steal, and chew, and don't go out with girls who do. All right? Proverbs simplified, all right? Don't lie, cheat, steal, and chew, and don't go out with girls who do. For you note takers, I repeated that a second time. That's the Old Testament for a guy. You get to the New Testament when we're in Christ Jesus and it moves to a different sort of place. It's a lot about the external but also about the internal. That's why Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount said, you know, I don't just care that you don't murder somebody. I don't want you to have those thoughts in your heart. I don't care just about whether or not you commit physical adultery. I don't want you to have lust in your heart. And he, he repeats command after command after command and then goes to the deeper heart issue, sort of the spirit of the law, what God really wants, the deeper issue. Because in Christ Jesus, now God in the New Testament deals a lot more with our thoughts and our motives motives and our attitudes and thanksgiving is one of those expectations in the new testament it's kind of like i don't want you to not only not be naughty i don't want you to think about being naughty i want to deal with the motives the heart issues thanksgiving in all circumstances is sort of in that arena when we can do that god has changed our heart now i wanted to leave some time to talk about how to nurture and develop this trait. So I just want to talk about four ways to do this. First, know the benefits of thanksgiving, both vertically and horizontally. What I mean by that is vertically our relationship with God and horizontally our relationship with others. One researcher said the key to a happy and lasting marriage, he's talking about gratitude towards others now, the key to a happy and lasting marriage might be as simple as regularly expressing gratitude. So report researchers from the University of Georgia, so report researchers from the University of Georgia in a new study published in the journal Personal Relationships. After interviewing 468 married individuals on relationship satisfaction, covering everything from communication habits to finances, they found that the most consistent, significant predictor of happy marriages was whether your spouse expressed gratitude. 
Think about that. Of all of the issues that go on in a marriage, and there are many, the most significant predictor of happiness is whether your spouse expresses gratitude towards you. Feeling appreciated and believing that your spouse values you directly influences how you feel about your marriage, how committed you are to it, and your belief that it will last, says studies co-author Ted Futris. And that goes for good times, but perhaps especially bad ones. When couples experience stress and their communication devolves into what the researchers call a demand withdrawal cycle. One partner demands or criticizes, the other tries to avoid confrontation. Gratitude can disrupt this, acting as a buffer. Think about that. Think about how much you can change your spouse's life if you're married and give your marriage the best thing, according to researchers, that marriages actually want. It's like watering the plant of your marriage is by letting your spouse know how thankful you are for them. And probably by not letting them know what they do wrong. Just seems to kind of coincide. Would we agree with that? All right. Honey, that was like the most awesome meal ever. You should be a chef in a restaurant. People would pay to eat your food. You are such an awesome parent. Our kids are picking up values from you. Encouraging our spouse. Thanksgiving, gratitude, deeply affect happiness and mental health and contentment. And here's the interesting thing about gratitude and thanksgiving as it relates to our well-being, our sense of well-being, happiness, contentment, you actually can control this. This doesn't have to be like those dudes at the beginning of the sermon who got out of prison, now everything's beautiful to them. You don't have to suffer to build thankfulness. You actually can control your mental health by developing good habits in this area. Research indicates that. So second, we need to do that, develop a habit. Two psychologists, Dr. Robert Emmons and Michael McCullough, have done much of the research on gratitude. In one study, they asked all participants to write a few sentences each week, focusing on particular topics. Now, one group wrote about things they were grateful for and had occurred during the week. So this was the, this was the project. One group just wrote about thankfulness, or since this is secular, gratitude. Things they had recently experienced that they felt really thankful for or grateful for. The second group was to write about daily irritations, things that had displeased them. So you've got a group that's writing about, hey, what am I thankful for? You've got another group that's writing, what really irritates me? All right? Third wrote about whatever had affected them, no emphasis on positive or negative. After 10 weeks, what do you think was going on in all of their heads? Those who wrote about gratitude were more optimistic and felt better about their lives. Surprisingly, they also exercised more and had fewer visits to doctors than those who focused on sources of aggravation. Another leading researcher in the field, Dr. Martin Seligman, tested the impact of various assignments given to help the mood of 411 people. When their assignment was to write and personally deliver a letter of gratitude to somebody who had never been properly thanked for his or her kindness, participants immediately exhibited a huge increase in happiness scores. So a group of people, 411 people, were told, I want you to write a thank you note for something significant that 
somebody did, and you don't feel like they've been appropriately thanked. 411 people did this. Their happiness scores, by focusing on somebody else, went through the roof. This impact was greater than that from any other assignment, and the benefits lasted for a month. You can control this issue in your life. Being grateful, being thankful, is one of the antidotes to mental health issues and depression. It, it impacts it more than most things. And there are about nine or ten factors that impact mental health, including diet, sleep, all kinds of things. But gratitude is one of those things we can control and actually influence mental health outcomes. The writer says, of course, studies such as this one cannot prove cause and effect scientifically as much as they'd like, but most of the studies published on this topic support an association between gratitude and an individual's well-being. Now, as Christians, we do this with God through prayer. We might do it, my wife and I, when we were between uh, churches, we, we had a gratitude journal. And, and once we started this, just about every day, we'd get together and talk about what we were thankful for. These are incredibly good habits to affect your sense of well-being and to be obedient to God at the same time. Create a habit. Develop a habit. Third, set reasonable expectations for God and others, or of God and others. Now, ultimately... Thanksgiving is intended to be unconditional with God. We're supposed to give thanks for everything and in everything. But practically, Thanksgiving happens, as we know, like the guys who were in prison and got out, Thanksgiving will happen naturally when reality exceeds our expectations. There's a lot that has a lot to do with happiness. If you study happiness, has a lot to do with contentment, has a lot to do with thanksgiving. When reality exceeds our expectations, you want your wife or your husband to be happier in your marriage, just tell them lower expectations. That's a joke, but it's true. So when expectations in life exceed, when the reality exceeds the expectations, we naturally are more thankful. So what that means is this, and in Western societies, this happens to us, and, and we're, it's, it's a problem for us. We have wildly unrealistic expectations of what life is supposed to give us. And that makes these heart virtues a little more difficult to achieve. When I go on a trip, and I'm driving, whether alone or maybe with my wife, or when, when we had kids with us in the home, and we want to stop somewhere at a motel, and we just want to get a little sleep, and then we're going on the next day. I have different kinds of expectations based on how much I pay for that motel, and you probably do too. If, I'm, you know, if we're late at night and I'm like, hey, you know, just get something online here and you know, do it on your phone. If I'm finding a $60 motel and it's 10 o'clock at night and I want to stop somewhere at 11, when I get a $60 motel, you know what I expect? Clean sheets, a working TV, and a working shower and that I don't get robbed. I mean, that's it. You know, if I get a good night's sleep, I might have a chance to turn on the TV and check out what happened in sports that day, you know? And if I don't get robbed, and the hot water works in the morning, I'm happy, it was 60 bucks, I don't care. I don't even mind if the bedspread came from the 70s. Which, and I recently stayed at a hotel like that, it was very interesting, on my fishing trip to BC. And some of that stuff does come back in style, so good for them. 
60-hour motel. If I pay $120 to $150, it changes. My expectations change. I don't just want clean sheets and a working TV. Now I want a sports bar downstairs so I can go watch a game there if I want to and have a Pepsi. I want a big TV. I don't want a TV they bought 20 years ago that's got you know, the back end, a foot from the front. I want a big screen TV because I'm paying $120 to $150. I want room service. I don't necessarily going to use it, but I want to know that there is room service, that somebody will wait on me. And I want to know that an interior decorator was involved in what that place looks like sometime in the next 10 or the last 10 years, right? It needs to look like it's a modern hotel because I'm paying $150. My expectations went through the roof. If I'm paying $200 for a motel, I want a foot rub. If, if you can get me to pay $200 for a motel, it's, it's funny, because actually I stayed in a really nice hotel recently. I was going to the West Coast, and Jay Summers picked out a hotel for us. There was four guys on a fishing trip. And so we were sort of, you know, rooming two guys to one room, two guys to another, and I walked in the hotel, and I was a little concerned, because I was with Asa Leslie, and not my wife. And I walked into our room, and I noticed that it was glass between the bedroom and everything else. Like everything else. And I'm panicking. And I got in the room first and Asa comes in. I said, Asa, I think we got the honey room suite. I said, I won't look if you don't. And, and then there's evidently a switch and it just goes opaque. But I was scared. If I'm paying $200, I don't want to look at Asa. All right? I want that blocked out. And Asa doesn't want to look at me. Got to have that blocked out. We have higher expectations when we pay more for things. The problem is, in a Western society, we have pretty high expectations. And these expectations affect how quickly our hearts move towards thanksgiving and gratitude. What do we really need? At one tragic extreme, 700 million people do not have access to clean water on the planet. Every year, about a half a million children die from waterborne diseases. If we ask a real thin Brazilian teenager drinking from a puddle about needs, what might we receive as a reply? I need a new iPhone? No, just clean water. See, our expectations affect when we'll be thankful. At the other extreme, Steven Spielberg needed a bigger boat. The Jaws director is one of the greatest movies of all time, by the way. Four-star pastoral approval. That was a joke. The Jaws director is selling his $184 million yacht, the Seven Seas, replacing it with a larger model he's reportedly having built for $250 million because he outgrew the meager 282-foot-old one. The new vessel will be 18 feet longer. Earlier in the year, the media reported on a high-profile divorce. The court asked the spouse seeking child support to itemize her monthly needs, which topped a million dollars and included almost 7000 for groceries, 2000 for stationery, 160000 for vacation accommodations, and $300,000 for a private jet. Monthly. Now I understand the divorce. Anyway expectations that are so high in our lives make it really hard for us to exceed them and to be thankful. Do you know what? When they studied people and asked what they really wanted more in life, do you know what most people said when it came to like their jobs and what their expectations were? 10%. And it didn't matter what income level they were at. When they asked people what it would take to make them happy and satisfied, like at work, it was 10%. 
regardless of income. We always want more. If we can't manage our hard expectations, thankfulness is going to be tough. Finally, acknowledge God's role in your life, including the good and the bad. This is going to be the hardest thing. This is the hardest thing for me. I don't get mad at God because I don't make him responsible for things that other people do. But if I'm going to include God's sovereign control over my life and that he allowed a lot of bad things to happen to me and you, it's more of a challenge. It's more of a challenge to feel good about God. But God has everything under control. He's a part of everything. Even the things he doesn't cause, he could prevent. His sovereignty extends to everything. You may feel as if you're sitting still right now, but it's an illusion of miraculous proportions. Planet Earth is spinning around its axis at a speed of 1,000 miles an hour. Every 24 hours, Earth pulls off a celestial 360. We are also hurtling through space at an average velocity of 67,000 miles an hour. That's not just faster than a speeding bullet. It's 87 times faster than the speed of sound. So even on a day when you feel like you don't get much done, don't forget you did travel 1.6 million miles through space. And to top it off, the Milky Way is spinning like a galactic pinwheel at a dizzying rate of 483 miles an hour. If that isn't miraculous, I don't know what is. Yet when was the last time you thanked God for keeping us in orbit? You probably never prayed, Lord, I wasn't sure we'd make the full rotation today, but you did it again. We just don't pray that way. And that's the ultimate irony. We already believe God for the big miracles that somehow you stayed stuck to this planet moving at that speed. We, we don't even think about that. We act as if they're no big deal. The trick is trusting him for the little ones, that he's really in control of my life every day. See, God hasn't lost control of any part of this world or of your life. And I can't tell you why God sits on the sidelines sometimes. And, I, and I'm not happy about it. Why horrible things happen in our planet. Why there's genocide and disease and suffering. And God's absence sometimes in those things seems to indicate things that we don't want to conclude. But God is God and nothing escapes his view. Nothing in your life happens that he doesn't cause or allow, and he wants us to be thankful people in all of it. Because one of the things that God sees in our lives is how he can take the bad and use it for good to change us. I want to close with this story. The barracks were Corey Tenboom, who was in a Nazi concentration camp, and her sister Betsy were kept in Ravensbrück were terribly overcrowded and flea-infested. They had been able to miraculously smuggle a Bible into the camp, and in that Bible they'd read that in all things they were to give thanks, and that God can use anything for good. So they were in a concentration camp trying to be obedient to this verse. Betsy decided that this meant thanking God for the fleas. That was too much for Corey, who said she could do no such thing. Betsy insisted, so Corey gave in and prayed to God, thanking him even for the fleas that they all dealt with in this concentration camp in Ravensbrück. Over the next several months, a wonderful but curious thing happened. They found that the guards never entered their barracks. Now, these guards were brutal. I believe there was a lot of sexual assault, those kinds of things, with the guards. This meant that the women were not assaulted, 
It also meant they were not able to do the unthinkable, which was to open their Bible studies and prayer meetings in the heart of a Nazi concentration camp. Through this, countless numbers of women came to faith in Christ. Only at the end did they discover why the guards had left them alone and wouldn't enter their barracks. It was because of the fleas. This Thanksgiving, give thanks to God for every good and perfect gift, but also thank him for how he will use all things for good in the lives of those who trust him. God, we thank you for your word. And I pray that you would help each of us, beginning with me, to be not just thankful in all things, but for all things. For the things in my life that have caused great pain. For the things in my life that have changed the total trajectory of my future and that of everyone in this room, we thank you because you're a sovereign God. You just don't have just a point of view, you have view, you see everything. You know what we need. You know when unanswered prayers or the answer no is good for us because you see things we can't see. Help us to be thankful people. You have been so good to us. We have so much to be thankful for. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon. We hope you found it connected you to the God of truth and love who we worship and serve at Bethany Chapel. If you have any questions or want to connect to any of our pastors, please go to our Bethany Chapel app and choose Connect or go online to bethanychapel.com and click Come. Thanks again and God bless you.